A Guide to Sex and Pronouns by Dan Friedman October the 15th, 2021 As you may have noticed, it is a confusing time for straight people like me. Norms around sex and gender are changing again as they did in the sexual revolution from the 1960s and as they did more recently with the shift in attitudes towards gay men and lesbians. And the language is changing with that shift. I'm no longer just a straight bloke, I'm a straight cisgender bloke. So in important, loud and highly visible ways, English-speaking society is engaged with how it treats people with different genders and different sexualities. But it's worth explaining what that means. The terms sex, sexuality and gender are often confused. Sex is a person's physical state with respect to primary and secondary sexual characteristics, usually male or female, sometimes only around 1% of the time, intersex. Sexuality describes to whom a person is sexually or romantically attracted, so straight, gay, bisexual, and so on. And gender refers to the, and I'm quoting here, norms, behaviours and associated roles that are associated with what is what it is to be a man or woman, or another in society. Though they often feel like bedrocks, social norms are ever-changing. In our culture, women wear skirts, but across swathes of Asia and Arabia, and in 17th century Scotland, skirts were for men. In our culture, women wear makeup. In 18th century France, that was something for men to do. But to traditionalists, these contingent norms are often seen as sacred, and transgressions of these sacred norms may be literally punished by death. For a majority of people, for now anyway, gender and sex match up. Personally, I'm biologically male. I like football, soccer, and I sport facial hair. But the match is never perfect. I wear skirts, and I would wear more if they were more readily available. Lasting images for my generation of people pushing at gender norms, and people who are embraced by the wider society, are Boy George singing Karma Chameleon, or the heterosexual Robert Smith of The Cure, skewering the cliché that boys don't cry, and singing the words with lipstick smeared all over his face. For some people, though, the mismatch is much more acute. So strong that it is diagnosed as gender dysphoria. That's the condition when one's gender does not match the sex one was assigned at birth. For example, a person with a penis may deeply understand herself to be a woman and may feel painfully uncomfortable living as a man. This isn't a slight variation from gender roles, but a painful, often traumatic mismatch between gender identity and sex. As a result, she may seek hormonal or surgical interventions to enable her body to affirm her gender identity, or she may simply present herself as a woman to the world. Such people have always existed in history. Joan of Arc might well have been one, but now they are known as transgender. The prefix cis is the opposite of trans, so the term cisgender refers to people, like me, whose sex and gender just happen to correspond.
But the spectrum of gender is more complex than a simple binary of male and female. Over the past few years, an increasing number of people have opted out of a binary system of gender that does not reflect how they feel. For them, this whole system of categorization, either or, masculine or feminine, boys do this, girls do that, doesn't reflect their psychological reality. As a result, they may identify as non-binary, which simply reflects that lack of conformity to this system, which doesn't reflect who they are. There are many ways non-binary identity might be expressed. Physical appearance, fashion, and, yes, pronouns, which in our society indicate how one is to be categorized according to gender. Many non-binary people clearly don't want to use existing gendered pronouns like he, him, or she, her, so they use a variety of different pronouns like t, ter, zer, or simply they, them, in a singular form, just as it's been used in English since 1375. And since you can't tell someone's gender just by looking, especially online, it's now become customary to state one's gender pronouns in email signatures, on Zoom handles, or wherever else it may be helpful. I too, in those places, note that my preferred pronouns are he, him, to show that I don't take my cisgender identity for granted. Once again, this can seem radically new, intrusive, or even offensive to people who may not know trans or non-binary people personally, or who, like me, didn't grow up with any of this, and, on the contrary, were raised in a sexist, homophobic, and gender-conforming society. Of course, by that token, to someone born in the 1870s instead of the 1970s, allowing Jews to own land or encouraging women to hold professional jobs might also seem radically new and offensive. Other people's identity choices might not seem like an existential question, like climate change, like the COVID pandemic, or like the rampant autocracy and information that's assailing our societies. But, just like racism, it's a fairly basic measure of how our society deals with difference. And just like racism, there's a continuum from mildly offensive comments, or refusals to use requested pronouns, to harmful prejudice, like discrimination against trans girls in athletics, to physical violence. For example, more than one in four trans people have faced a bias-driven assault. So, while the request from friends, family, students, colleagues or acquaintances to refer to them by new or repurposed pronouns may seem trivial, annoying or indulgent, it's actually a request for personal respect. It's a note to avoid the tip of the intolerance iceberg and it's an easy one to honour. As a professional editor and as someone who hates change, I am temperamentally opposed to these innovations. And I'm personally a champion of broad definitions of gender. The he of God in traditional text for me has always been ineffably non-binary. And limiting what women can do or be has always seemed like a blatantly prejudiced act. But it's really not up to me. If you come to know non-binary or trans people personally, you'll understand what this is about. Basic respect for someone's self-understanding. It's common courtesy, but it's also more than that because even if you don't see it, gender binaries and hierarchies are enforced by violence. 
So, at the very least, until the choice to step out of traditional constrictive prejudices is not accompanied with the threat of violence, I think it's incumbent upon all of us to call people by the pronouns they request. It's really the minimum we can do to show people of all sex, gender and sexuality some respect. It's part of our growth as a society, and it's part of being a decent human being.